0: Hello again, everybody. Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast is underway. I'm in the home office in Whitby, Ontario, just off Neuendijk Street. A guy that Craig knows very, very well, and Joe gets a street named after him. It's a smaller street, but that's okay. And there's Mr. Craig Button in the Canadian capital with those beautiful couches in the background craig how are you you're scouting again you 17s we'll get into the world juniors and everything else craig on the road again you're like bj mckay traveling all over north america aren't you remember him
1: no i i don't actually Uh, you know, I'm not as old as you, Steve. You you remember some of the uh, some of the some of the musicians from a bygone era. I mean, if you would have said Stomp and Tom or something like that, I would have said, yeah, I, I've heard about Stomp and Tom, but uh, B.J. McKay, I haven't heard. But you know, in the nation's capital, I mean, uh, watching the U17 Capital uh, City Challenge, it was uh, some pretty impressive uh, young talent here, and the national women's team uh, was a participant here. I got to tell you, Steve. Uh, you know, they are such a good team and there's so many uh, good players uh, that had the opportunity to to see up front and close. I'm talking about the U-17 players that got a chance to see up front and close how good the national women's team is. And, you know, uh, you know, one of the things we got to keep in mind that, uh, you know, don't look at the don't look at the scores. I'll tell you what, the games were competitive. The semifinal match between uh, the uh, the national women's team and Team Canada Black who won it. It was 3-3. It went to overtime. And Rebecca Johnson had a breakaway in the last minute that could have won it for them. It was just a fantastic game. I was walking out with Brian Marchment. And Brian Marchment turned to me and goes, how good was that? And it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Do
0: you like some of the things that they're doing in terms of adding the women to the mix and improving like everyone gets something out of it right everyone gets something out of it like the world juniors when they let the u-sports guys play who are older and u-sports has never been better at the at the well male and female level trust me on that so many ex-OHLers and CHLers are all over like if if you're 18 and you just played in your hometown hockey and then went to your school you're not making that team which is unfortunate but the talent's so good do you think hockey Canada blends all this in that everyone gets something out of this
1: Steve I don't like you you know I've been trying to search for the right way to frame it you I you just did so I'm going to take that from you everybody got something out of it the young kids you know for for being able to play one against one another remember I mean these oh five uh kids didn't play for sixteen months, so so they're now getting the experience of Hockey Canada and the Program of Excellence, which will build and build and build, and you know Hockey Can. Canada- it gets an opportunity to work with the kids and the national women's team gets an opportunity to be tested in different ways. You know, one of the things Alan Miller said, he was talking to uh, Troy Ryan, the coach of the national women's team. And he said, Oh, this is great for us. He goes, you know what, you know, we're going to have to be even better with our body position, better with our stick position, get in on the hands, you know, in terms of denying, you know, not with the stick, but with your body and getting inside of opponents, because we don't have the strength uh with our group to to compete against the 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 young the young players on the u17 side and he and he said that's going to serve us when we get to the olympics because then we're going to be equal in strength or better in strength and because our disciplines are going to be so good and i mean steve i'm watching the game and i mean if 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 you watch the likes of jocelyn the rock on the blue line who who literally is a rock i mean she is a rock solid player is what she is unbelievable renata fast tell you what Talk about being born with the right name and being able to, like, you You can't have that last name and not be able to skate. And she could skate. All these players got to play against a future Hall of Famer, a great and marie philipp Poulin. I mean, Steve, I was, and Renee Debian, goaltender. Unbelievable what she, what she was able to do here. I think she almost had a .93 save percentage in the tournament. Like it was wow. like, she was, she was one of the very best goaltenders period, full stop there. So when you talk about everybody getting something out of this, oh boy, what, what, what an apt phrase.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's so much we want to get into uh, on podcast number 18 here. Cool button uncensored hockey podcast. I guess we start at the top of the order and that would be 87, 97. And after kind of a slow feeling out defensive start, which is a, I think what Mike Sullivan wanted in the game last night. Um, boy was was ninety seven just outstanding. He was really he was really in on every goal, and the one goal that was called back, the play he made on Crosby at the blue line, skating backwards, banking the puck off the blue line, theory uh, painting to himself. Uh, I, I was just blown away, and it's what Sid said earlier. Remember, there's a ten year age difference, right? Uh, he's amazed at how Connor is taking his game to another level. Uh, if we go to the Olympics, and we hopefully we do. Uh, They'll be playing together, at least uh, on the same team. What were some of your takeaways last night and how how Connor kindly said, okay, spotlight, Uh, I guess U.S. television too, Uh, giddy up, as Kramer would say, giddy up.
1: Uh, Well, I can only tell you this. I'm looking like Kramer today a little bit with the hair. You (laughs) you got the (laughs) flow. Just don't light a match with a cigar. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, uh, you know what's amazing when you think about it. and 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 I go back to this constantly, Steve. You 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 hear former players like, you know, people scoff when Wayne Gretzky says, Oh, the players are way better than I was. They are. And, you know, here here, here is Sidney Crosby, you know, one of the greats of all time talking about Connor McDavid taking the game to new levels. And somewhere down the road, Connor McDavid going to be talking about uh, a, a player in the future that's taking the game to another level. And, and, and that's, that's the beauty of the game, the progression, you know, it's not diminishing uh, anything that the, that the previous great players have done. It's recognizing what the new players are doing in, in advancing the game. And Connor McDavid you, you know, like, we, we know that the game is largely played at five-on-five, five, but, but for him it's always a blank canvas because <laughs> his imagination and his creativity, it like, ha- has no limits. It has no bounds. And w- w- wherever he – and he does it at such a high rate of speed. I'm, I'm just – there's things he does. How about the first goal? How about the first goal below the goal line in the defensive zone? He started the whole play. Oh, yeah, but guess what, Steve? He's got to change his game. He's got to change his game. Oh, yeah, I'm like you, Steve. For people now, Steve's holding his hand over his eyes, (laughs) shaking his head, rubbing his eyebrows. You know, him and I are both the same. Got to change his game. No, no, Connor. I keep saying he doesn't have to change his game. Don't change your game. Your game is about brilliance. Don't listen to the noise. Because that's all that. What a brilliant play he did. 200 feet away from the other team's net creates the whole goal because we know what he does once he gets moving through the neutral zone in the offensive zone. How about that play on the first goal by Hyman?
0: Yeah, and I the unselfishness of it's not about me, it's about we and the idea that it's always okay that we score, not I score, and you, you gotta you gotta respect the shot but he wants to get it over to Bouchard. He wants to get it over to Hyman. He wants to get it over to everybody. And that's why he's got so many assists and he makes everyone around him better. Could he score more by hanging onto it more and shooting more? Probably. But I love the, it's not about me, it's about we. And I sit there and marvel when there's certain nights, remember, sometimes people talk about effort and you and I have said on television before, don't confuse effort with the gas in the tank, three and four. We ask a lot of these guys, four games in a week and extra time. It's about comparing efforts to energy and execution. And when you've got the energy, the, 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 the Oilers were rested, and then you've got McDavid at 100%, 110%, and doing what he did, it's just like last night was must-see, not miss. You know, two years since Sydney's been there. They only played each other twice a year. And I don't know about you because we didn't have the television back in our old days. Yes, kids, it was in color, wasn't in black and white. Reminds me the few times we saw 99 and 66. Because it wasn't the national television. We only got a Wednesday and a Saturday kids. We had to listen to some games on the radio. And if it was then the way it is now, we would have watched Gretzky Lemieux all the time. But Craig, some of those games were just not on television. Uh, But it reminded me of being able to see those two guys on the highlights when they played. And they're Oilers and Penguins again, right? Oilers and Penguins again. The generation, boy, they've had a lot of good players. (laughs) <laughs>
1: they're, they're stacking up on a lot of good players over the years. Yeah, they, they, they sure have. You know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, with the sale of the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, the, the, the Fenway Sports Group, uh, you know, talked about when they bought the Penguins. They called the Penguins an iconic franchise. Think, think about that iconic franchise and how they want to build the brand like you know that's and and when you talk about Marilyn Mew and you talk about Sidney Crosby and, and Yermer Yager and Evgeny Malkin you know y- you start to you start to consider with their five Stanley Cups that that they deserve to be uh considered iconic much in the same way as the Edmonton Oilers the, you know n- expansion franchises you know uh separated by by over a decade but they are iconic Because not only of what they achieved as a team, but also because of the individuals that have, that have worn the, that have, you know, represented the team on the ice. It's phenomenal. You know, just quickly back to what you said too about Connor, including everybody. You know, I think back to 1990 and think about Mark Messier and, you know, talking to the likes of Adam Graves and Martins Yelena, who were just young guys. They Remember, they were the kid line with Joe Murphy, right? They were a kid line, right? And, you know, I, I, I know Marty Moore talking to him, Adam over the years, and they talked about how Mark Messier just wanted everybody to understand that, you know, trying to achieve something so great in the pursuit of it together was 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 better than anything you'd ever experienced and when you, I, 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 that, that's what connor's on a quest for
0: yeah well that that 90 cup for you kids out there unbelievable right so wayne leaves they lose to wayne in 89 uh, Calgary then wins their cup, and then back comes the Oilers without Gretzky, and they beat the Boston Bruins and Bill Ranford, Con Smythe and everything else. It was, it's, it's fascinating. We're lucky to have watched it and everything. And that's another example of team, right? As you said, include the kid line. In comes Rand, and they were down 3 1 to the Jets. It was like the Jets are going <laughs> to finally slay the Oilers Dragon. Dave Ellis scores. I know you're probably at the game, Craig. Oh, my God. And the Oilers come all the way back. So uh, these teams now will be judged on what they do in the playoffs. I'm talking about. You know, the Edmonton Oilers, um, the Penguins have already done it, but the idea is they are not aging out and they can win right now. But it was fascinating, was very exciting and everything else, just because we're on that topic. McDavid, Crosby, McKinnon, who is back and picked up some points uh, in a loss, but is always dangerous together or separated like what 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 do you see i know you talked to doug armstrong what what do you see as a, as a forward plan stamp coast shifley's not doing as well points hurt there, there's a lot of eggs in this basket but the key is to spread these eggs around or do you stack them like it all comes together 66 and 99
1: well, I mean, I, I mean, we think about sixty-six and ninety-nine, who were who who were who were just great, you know, heading into that Canada Cup in eighty-seven. But, you know, Doug and you know previous uh, coaches will tell you that what the plan was at the beginning or going into the Olympics it wasn't how it ended up it wasn't you know and I and I think that that becomes a real significant understanding of, of what you're going to try to do what are you going to try Brendan Morrell ended up playing up the lineup in 2010 with the Vancouver at the Vancouver Olympics you know he didn't start up the lineup but he ended up up the line remember Rick Nash started up on that top line and you know there was a lot of excitement and then okay, maybe Rick isn't the best fit there. And this isn't about the talents of the players. This is about, you know, who fits with who. uh, And and, and then how do you maximize not only the individuals, but the back to the group, back to the team, what's going to be best for the team. And, you know, that's a big part of the selection. So I get excited about thinking about, about McDavid and McKinnon with all that speed, but at the same time, you know, like uh, they're going to have lots of options. And, you know, I, I, I'm more interested in seeing how they experiment at the outset of, of the Olympics and, you know, like how that all works. Like, you know, what they're going to try in the early game. Because quite frankly, the tournament begins in the quarterfinals. The, the rest of it is just, a, it's, it's an appetizer. That's what it is. But, but the appetizer could be delicious.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the real key is the better you play in the round Robin, the better your matchup is in the quarters. Cause yeah. there's always some weaker sister. That doesn't mean there can't be upsets Ask Sweden uh, in Salt Lake city. Um, but it's fun. It's exciting. And that's what led to, you know, not having a great round Robin in Vancouver to the greatest game. Maybe I've ever been at Canada, Russia in Vancouver which was something and to walk in the building with trevor linden uh we were in the box together i can't tell you how it happened but i snuck up there anyway thank you rbc uh and cam neely what is pretty like that that was something like that was something people were at that game say it might have been the you know it, it was as close to the summit my dad was in moscow for the four as close as moscow was what w- was that game in terms of excitement I, I don't know what the best international game you've ever been at um but that, that was something like people who were there talking about that game even more than the Slovakian game. And then maybe the U.S. game because U.S. game the way it ended. But the, the right still Canada, Russia. I mean, that's that's our vintage. It was a blitzkrieg at the beginning and it was the loudest building I've ever been in. And maybe a game I cared about the most, like for me, selfishly, Craig, it was it was something I still talk about at 11 years later so well, you you know you were at that game we we talked about that it was it was something special
1: well one of the things you just talked about and you you know i th- I, I think the building that that's the loudest i've ever heard a building i the loudest I've ever and 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 i think that like you know there was a you know there was the, there was almost this release and and the the russians came out and 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 i i mean they've been in loud, in buildings that were loud before where it was pro canada i mean and, but 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 to me, when they when they came out for that game, and and it was almost like, oh boy. And as you said, it was a blitz, Greg. And you know, right at the beginning of the of the game, I mean, it was over before it started. It was over before it started. And you know, you think about Jonathan Tays and everything that he did. It, it was unbelievable. Uh, you know, not not only the the, the preamble to the game and, and lead up to the game. But, uh, I mean, what I'm with you, Steve. It's it's one of the best, uh, I think, that's ever been, uh, you know, put, put on display for uh, a Team Canada event.
0: I think there was a story you told me. If it wasn't you, it doesn't matter. But it's, you know, because it's me and you. It's better if it is you. It was North Dakota. It was the lockout. The tournament ended. Remember, these are all the... Uh, what, 85 uh, births, 83 births? No,
1: no, it was the 85. 85 births, it was so the-
0: part of the 03 draft. It's now 05 in North Dakota. The tournament ends, speaking of a blitzkrieg, it was never close. The gold medal game off the top of my head, I think it was 6-1, to one. O.V., Crosby, everybody else. As the tournament ended, you, got, you and the IIHF, a whole bunch of people were there, and they said to the Canadian media fans, uh, you know, the, the hockey people, well, there's your team in Vancouver, and people went, "What are you talking about?" And some some guy, Randy Forcel said, "This team, this will be your team in Vancouver." People went, "Oh, well, you might be right there, Watson. You might be right there. Might be." A... And, 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 and so we this all ties in together because it's about the kids, and and you've been watching the kids leading into the World Juniors to be the next stars. Like we talked about the Silver Sticks, and the future's so bright. So, silver sticks is here because they're younger. NHLers are here. So, the middle of the sandwich is who's, who's tickled your fancy. Who do you get excited about? What are the storylines? Uh, You're all over on TSN this week. So, let's begin with the World Juniors and certain storylines uh, that you see going into the tournament in Edmonton.
1: Well, uh, I, I, the, the the biggest storyline for me, Steve, is fans in the building. I mean, uh, being there last year. I mean, the, the, the hockey's fantastic and it's a best on best tournament, but there was no fans. And, you know, the, the, the world junior tournament is a best on best tournament is fantastic, but when it's in Canada with the fans and and what they bring to it, it, it's unbelievable. It is like, you know, and I think for, you know, Cole Perfetti who participated in the tournament last year with no fans, Caden Gooley, Dylan Garand, some of the, some of the players from other countries, like, I mean, they're going to get the full experience now, right? Like, you know, like they're going to be able to, to, say hey wow oh okay i was at the world junior but i really wasn't at the world junior right <laughs> you know i was playing but i wasn't really at the world junior and everything so that's what i'm i'm totally excited about that you know I, when i call it a best on best tournament it is it's the best it's the best on best under 20 for all the players that are available to the countries it's competitive it's hard how many times do you hear steve oh boy uh, are you concerned about that guy are you? oh geez that guy didn't play so well Jeez, I'll tell you what, it's a hard tournament. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to, to be successful. And let me tell you this, Steve, you know, Team Canada names their, their selection camp roster on Wednesday, December 1st, and there's a lot of hand-wringing about who isn't there. Let me be very clear here. This is a 19-year-old tournament. It's a 19-year-old tournament. It's not an 18-year-old tournament. If you're 18 years old and you're in consideration, that means that you might be able to show that you're capable of playing here. But for the most part, 18-year-olds are not able to, be, to be, help the team be successful. What's Canada's goal? Winning gold. I asked you this before we started the show. There was four, the 2002, the 2002-born Russian team ruled U16, U17, Alenka Gretzky. They would have won the U18 Worlds, uh, but there, there was no world tournament that year. Uh, they're coming back here with a really good team with the O2s. Last year, they had four 2002 defensemen on that team. Fourth, four, all 18, Russia didn't win a medal. You know what Russia's goal was? Was to win a medal, to win the gold medal. You you better be careful about who you have as an 8 year old So for everybody out there talking about who wasn't selected, right? This is a really good team Canada's going to put together. From the net out to the, in the blue line, oh, i power, Caden Gooley. Come on, like seriously. Like for Dave Cameron, like, <laughs> okay, I can have one on the ice at every single minute of the, uh, critical minute of the game, and there's going to be a lot of offensive players. There's going to, to what you're going to see, Steve. I tell you what you're going to see from Canada. You're going to see a heavy team that plays a lot in the offensive zone that grinds down opponents, and you're going to see some real finish and you're going to see some real detail in their game. Uh, you know, every year the, the the expectations clear gold or gold or bust, right? Like, you, <laughs> and you know, for for this team, Canada team, the, the, their position at this point in time to to be right there on January 5th playing for the gold medal. U.S. won gold last year, thanks
0: to Trevor Zegras, who's now in the NHL in the Calder Trophy conversation. Uh, where's Matthew Beneers in the U.S. mix? Uh, where's uh, the U.S. compared to Canada, Russia, Sweden, Finland, as we have a, a, a fab five now with the way the Finns have really turned the program. And that, that turned it around, brought it to – there was at one point the last nine gold medals, and maybe that's where we are now, was three, three, and three. Nine gold medals, Canada, U.S., and Finland, three, three, and three. That's pretty special, Craig.
1: Oh, it is. And, and, you know, and, and, and we know that, I mean, like uh, five countries are competing for, for the gold medal in the last number of years, the Czechs are trying to come up, but it's Sweden and, and Russia's the other teams, right? So other uh, countries, Steve, the U S is going to be a really good team. They, they returned Jake Sanderson and Brock Faber on the blue line. Now, Jay, I talk about all power and Katie Gooley. Jake Sanderson might not come off the ice. <laughs> He, he's that good he, he he you know the Ottawa Senators might be thinking like geez we need him right now <laughs> like, <laughs> you know back in the day before there was a, a, an entry level uh contract and a salary cap right the Ottawa Senators might be tempted to go to Jake Sanderson and say okay uh well will 15 million dollar signing bonus get you to leave school right today so you can play for us uh, our next game but Jake is good Brock Faber returns Tyler Clevin another Ottawa Senators drop they're going to be really Good up front with offense. Spencer Knight was, was, was a backbone of this team for, for two years. I mean, Caden Primo in Vancouver, a real backbone. You know, Drew Camesso is going to be the, the goaltender. Those are big shoes to fill. Those are big shoes to fill with Spencer Knight gone. So every t- you know how it is, Steve. Every team's going to have question marks, right? But the U.S. is competitive. And, and because the, the, they have, like the Hockey Canada's Program of Excellence, the National Team Development Program, they're working with these players from the time they're 16. So they know what they got. They know who the pool is. And they know who, who can play with one another. And it's going to be a good tournament. So we're going to get time to do this. I, I'll say it today. I think the last four teams standing will be will be Canada, Finland, Russia, and the USA on January fourth for the semifinal. Tune in. The games now are in color. They're in HD. <laughs> you can see them all. <laughs> Not like when Steve and I were younger and we had to watch grainy film that that that, that you know wasn't wasn't uh, really. That's all we knew, so we liked it. But the kids today, they look at that and go, "You watch that? Yeah, we did." <laughs> The
0: 82 World Juniors was in Minnesota. Canada won their first in the program of excellence, and there was no television. George Gross was there, and he called Hockey Night in Canada. I think he was talking to Dave Hodge. Canada's just – and at that point, what's this tournament? Who cares? And then look what it turned into, and and what uh, starting with the CBC and then TSN when they took over Saskatchewan and Lindros and everything, it was something something really special. So uh, uh, Craig will be there with uh, Dennis and the gang. So we'll talk about the World Juniors as that does move forward in the National Hockey League as we sit here today. And I know people, and it's good to have hate. People hate the Cowboys and they hate the Yankees and in the <laughs> NHL, they'll either hate the Leafs or the Habs. Uh, nobody hates the Habs right now because they're rebuilding and retooling, but at the top of the leaderboard, yeah, not points percentage, but we don't go by points percentage. We go by points. I'd rather have a, I'd rather have the field goal on the board than, you know, the flag. And maybe do we, do we go for the touchdown is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And there's so many different storylines with the Leafs. Maybe one that hasn't been talked about as much is Jack Campbell, Vesna. If you look at the analytics, the high danger, the Leafs are still giving up a lot in the middle and he's made some incredible saves and John Tavares, top 10 in league scoring health Olympics. um, When you got two centers and you can kind of mix and match John kind of turned the year around in Chicago. Right. And he scored some big, big goals this year and is probably playing as good now as he's ever had first year as a leaf young kid is a New York Islander. So, Where are you on Campbell and Tavares rolling, rolling, rolling? There'll be bumps along the road, but are the Leafs learning? Can you learn as a man the way the kids learn at the junior and minor midget level? People forget the learning doesn't really stop, right, Craig? Turning that green tomato red. I'm quoting Pat Quinn. We missed you, Pat.
1: Well, if you stop learning, you may as well just check out of this world. Because uh, one of two things have happened: either, either you're going to remain ignorant, or you you know everything. So, so why 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 is there why is there any reason to to stay checked into the world? Go live on an island. Go live in a forest somewhere, right? So you got to learn, and learning's learning is is essential uh, to to being vibrant and thriving and everything. And you know, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs at their post game press conference last year. They talked about the things they needed to learn. And they talked about the things that they would take from that. You watch their team play. And I don't think there's any question that, you know, they were top 10 last year in defensive play. They're they're top five this year in defensive play, team defense. So, you know, that's drastic improvements, drastic, drastic improvements. And, you know, the players deserve credit. And Sheldon Keith deserves credit. Steve. Last year heading into the playoffs, it was really interesting because I had zero, zero doubt about Jack Campbell. But when you don't have a big body of work, you know, I can understand why there could be doubt, right? And, and he, he, he raced that in the playoffs. He was good, very good in the playoffs, right? And if, there's, if there was doubt, then there might still be a little bit of doubt about him. I don't know. Not for me, but he certainly through his play has shown that there, if, there, if there's doubt, it's just being almost decreased down to zero. He's been fantastic. I didn't have John Tavares on my Olympic team. I don't know if you did uh, when I was doing one at free agency. He's on now. He's on now. <laughs> He's on now. Oh, yeah. He's on now. There's no and, – and, and what you're trying to do, you're trying to get, you're trying to get the players that, that, that are going to be at their best for 12 days at the Olympics to help you win a gold medal. That's all it's about. It's not about who might lead the league in scoring in three years' time. It might not, it's not about who, who's the best young player. It's not about who, oh, boy, geez, that guy's had a tough year. Tough years, you might not make it. Like, I, I think about Mark Shifley. I think Mark Scheifley's a superstar in the league. He, he hasn't had a good year this year. He just hasn't. And, I, you know, the, 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 there's lots of reasons for I should say, he hasn't had the year that we expect from Mark Shifley. Well, John Tavares is of you. So what are you going to do? Like John Tavares has had a good career, but he's playing top of his game. He's on my team. Yeah.
0: Stamkos with McDavid. on my team. Okay. And on the power. Like he does he does so much in the circle. He's got the second Ovechkin won Stammer two in this modern era. So that means that McDavid's got the puck in the right wing circle on his forehand. And then you think, okay. Over there, I got Stamkos. At the back is Makar. In the middle is either Point or McKinnon. And then in front of the net is an O'Reilly, a Stone. The Stammer scary option is what the Capitals had. When Ovechkin sometimes, sometimes Ovechkin sits there and thinks, don't forget about me. And then sometimes people, (laughs) like, you you know what he put? Like, I I used to think he was Sulk. I think he's just resting and going, I'm playing the whole two minutes. Like, I do. (laughs) There's no power play, too. he sits there and then it still comes to him and he still scores and i remember once babcock tried to put somebody on him and the capitals went okay ovi was probably mad because what they did is they worked it to oshi and backstrom and kuznetsov and they had fun doing their thing as Ovi was the decoy and then the babcock went no no, no, that's not gonna work so to me stammer in that spot on the one-timer which is not as Like, there's not a lot of guys in this league that can do it that well. Like, you know, uh, Pedersen's getting better at it. He scored the other day. But as good as Matthews is, he doesn't have that one-timer. Phil Kessel's scared to take it. Brett Hall had it, but that's 30 years ago. So, to me, having those types of options as we kind of all pack in the elite players together is something. And Stammer's played well. His only game's missed this year because of a birth. So, you know what? That's okay then because his health is – so far so good.
1: Well, a couple of things. I just want to just tag this real quick. Like, you know what the beautiful thing is about Obi when he's on that power play and you talk? How about when he just stands there? Like he doesn't put his stick on his knees. He just stands there waiting. It's like, okay, I know my time's coming. Like it's, <laughs> you know, he, it's like he it's like when the it's like when the anthem singers let the crowd like, uh, participate in singing yeah. the song. Yeah. And they put up the, that's He goes, okay, you guys do your thing. I know, I know eventually it's coming to me. And, and you talk about the one-timer, you know, a lot of talk in the off season leading the, was how much Connor McDavid worked on his one-timer and how much more dangerous he'd be. No, no, he's not going to be because there's the, the, the essential part of a one-timer is velocity. You know, you know, Derek Jeter, great hitter was not a home run hitter. And if he wanted to try to hit home runs, he was not going to be a good hitter. Conor McDavid is a is a great player. He can score goals. He's not going to do it on the one-time. Because the key, as I said, is velocity. Conor McDavid doesn't have the velocity. And he never will. He's not a home run hitter. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. There's nothing wrong with that,
0: right? Doubles and triples are still very good. Uh, I remember a Sports Illustrated article back when kids there used to be magazines. They talked about overrated, underrated. And they would say um, home runs, overrated, triples, underrated. Because X amount of triples turned into... You know, McDavid, did he get a triple last night? Yeah, well, you know, he did it. He gets a whole bunch of, to use that analogy, a lot lot of hits. You can single a team to death um, and lead the home runs for the Ovechkins and Stammers. That's why what they do is so important, especially on the power play. Yeah. that's something to watch going forward as well. Uh, But it is intriguing. In your time, do you believe in the theory of losing to win? We've used that cliche um, because we've used the, Islanders. Let's start with the Islanders. Then we use the Oilers, right? We use those Oilers. They lost to the Islanders, and the Islanders lost a lot. The Islanders just didn't get good in 1980. They should have, could have, woulda, sister won before. But then Goring gets a lot of the credit. Then the Oilers should have, could have, woulda. And then uh, Mario's Penguins should have, could have, woulda. Uh, you know, I'm just going through the 90s, 90s, da, 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 da. oh, Detroit Red Wings should have, could have, woulda. Like uh, you, the Stars should have, could have, all these teams. And then they go through it the Capitals, you know, the Blues had a lot of frustration. So do we believe the theory or is it low-hanging fruit, as you like to say, about certain teams who, like the Leafs and Oilers right now, who haven't won under these administrations, who have lost a lot, have they learned, Craig? Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing?
1: Because I'm thinking about our friend Jason Balter. And, you know, we use the, we use the term low-hanging fruit, and Jason always says, well, if you're starving, are you're you going to go for the <laughs> high hanging fruit or the low hanging fruit. <laughs> so, I guess maybe there's a lot of people starving, so they got to go with the low hanging. Here, here, here's how I look at this. Yep. I don't think you and me have ever talked about it this way. Yeah, you know what? One team wins at the end of the at the end of the season. One. That means there's a lot of teams that have lost, right? <laughs> <laughs> So we talked about learning, right? Like, well, okay, so when there's a lot more teams losing than there are winning, don't, doesn't it follow to reason that, you know, a narrative and, and, and an exercise, okay, what can we learn from this, from this, from this uh, loss that, that's going to help us be better the next time around? Because ultimately everybody's trying to win but you you have to learn from your losses, right? Like, you know, when Mrs. Awanaka, you know, sent you back your test and, and, and it said 78, right? And, you, and she said, Steve, you know, you could have got an 88 on this and here's where you made your mistakes. Oh, I learned. So the next time, it's no different in, in, in sports. You try to learn and you try to form your team to try to address some of those. We can, we talk about Butch corn. We can talk about a lot of different things with respect to, but because more teams lose, I hope they're learning. I hope <laughs> you take something away from it. I hope, well, you know, we went as far as we could this year. I don't know if we can get back this far ever again. Like it was a nice run. Am I talking about the Montreal Canadians last year? No, I'm not. I'm not going down that path.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. And if enough teams continually um lose, there's 31 losers. Then if the other team that won one year doesn't win again, then they will have learned something because then somebody else will have won, and they can use the low-hanging fruit. Well, we learned from losing <laughs> next year, so uh, it is a fun t- uh, exercise and a fun topic. Um, on the serious side, can have you seen teams salvage the sauce and and really save things like Vancouver? Couple wins against some bad teams. Can they give themselves a chance? Can the Islanders give themselves a chance? Have you? St. Louis was a miracle in 2019. That's a, like, that's a one-off. That's not the example. So for the teams like Vancouver and the Islanders have, have you seen enough that says maybe, or is the math just too difficult?
1: Okay. So I'm going to go to the the math is difficult. There's no question about the math. I think the math clearly shows that it's difficult, but you know, I was a little like, no, 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 I, I was absolutely no on Vancouver. I'm still absolutely no on Vancouver. And I I think I was a little bit more hopeful on the Islanders just because of what they did the last two years. And, you know, you, you, you know, your optimism is a little higher. I'm absolutely no on the Islanders. No, they're just, they're not good enough. They can't score. You know, I I know how well they play, but when you, there's so much effort put into uh, the, the, you know, keeping the puck out and, and they they do, they're, they're, they're terrific. They don't give up much. They're tight defense. If you can't score, you're not going to win. It's bottom line. I'm not saying you got to score seven, but you got to be able to score. You got to end up on the. Run. And they don't have enough scoring. And so I, I'm, I'm, you know, people say on the, December second, really, absolutely no. Yeah, I'm absolutely no on Vancouver and the Islanders now. And I that was, I think I had a, I think I had a, a false sense of optimism on the Islanders because of what they did. But watching them, no, I'm not in out. And the other it? team that's in trouble, I'm yep. telling you, big, big trouble. Who's I that? don't like them. The Philadelphia Flyers. I don't like their team. I don't like the way they play. I I, I'm telling Steve, it goes back to the return to play. You know, I thought like prior to the pause in March, 2020, I liked the Flyers. I'm watching. I'm going, geez, this is a, this is a team. This team might be there in terms of, you know, contending for the cup. And They played the Montreal Canadiens and I jumped off that bandwagon. I sprained both my ankles. I jumped off that Flyers bandwagon and they have given me no reason to even consider getting on. They're not a very good team. They're in big trouble.
0: Yeah. So what is this now? Oh, seven and two after the Ranger loss. Yeah. I just took a flyer because the percentage of winning was so high for the Rangers. I thought, ah, the Flyers are due the Rangers, the underlying numbers. Maybe the Rangers are a little, uh, you know, living on cloud nine, that was never close last night. The early, early goal. And it's not Carter Hart's fault. And I thought, I thought Elaine Vigneault last year, they were the worst save percentage and they gave up the most shots. Well, at one point this year, they were middle of the pack, which is an improvement. If you go from 32 to 16, I've improved exponentially. Well, then I checked the numbers before last night, they lead the league, which means they're 32nd in shots. They, they, and then you start looking at the quality of the shots. This hasn't improved. I maybe Giroux, Van Riemsdyk. The oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like this is. I heard somebody say there was rumblings about Philly, and it was a few games ago. And I thought, ah. Oh, now I'm saying I, I'd be worried. I'd be, and we probably haven't talked about the Flyers because they've been in the cushy spot. They haven't been sexy enough to talk about. Now they're sexy in the negative way, because this is not good. And in that division, Craig. Oh no
1: no no! And just what you—that's said, why I said about the Islanders, and that's why I brought up the Flyers. The Washington Capitals are rolling. The Rangers are playing well. The the, the Pittsburgh Penguins have found a, a a stable level of play, right? And you got the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, really. Where where, where are you going to find your way? Where are you going to find your way here? What how, how are you going to find your way back in? I don't see it.
0: Right on the Islanders. Do you think before we close? That sometimes you can only go so far with a certain style or skill set. Would you be worried that they went as far as they could? Like uh, that one-nothing loss in game seven sounds great. I always thought Tampa was still in control. Like I thought John Cooper played a Babcock US Canada Soshi one-nothing game. And that they, yeah, they we can play it this way. Speaking of the Islanders and Oilers and everybody, yeah, we can play it this way. And they did, and on their are like, Oh, we are so close. Really? When, when Colton scored, that means you have to beat Vasilevsky twice. I, I, right? I, I, didn't, see, I didn't feel that. So then now I wonder that th- this is great to take you from Tavares gone to where they've been in the last three years. And it's great. But then I wonder if what we're seeing now is they might have to drop down again to get back up. That, that's where I'm wondering as far as the Islanders are concerned. Just Just a great evaluation of – of where they are in relation to the elite, elite teams. They, they are elite, elite, but they don't have that elite, elite talent or game breaker.
1: They're not an elite team right now, Steve. They're not. Right. And, and, let, and let's keep in mind a couple of things. Like Tristan Jari, Pittsburgh was up 2-1 in their series last year against the Islanders. And Tristan Jari just was was very, very subpar in that series. And then, and then the Islanders got rolling. So we talk about teams having to learn how to play defense to, you know, have success, you know, greater success, right? Think about the, uh, those great, those great Red Wings teams. They, they had Ray Shepard and they had Paul Eisenbart and they had Dino Cicerelli and they said, well, we got to change our mixture. We got lots of talent. We got enough scoring. We, we, we got to get a little different type of player here. It's the exact same thing in a different way for the New York Islanders. They're really good defensively. They need to become more offensive. They need to find more offensive players because it's to your point, you go with you, 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 like it's no different than a team that can win, 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 you know, with, with lots of offense. And then they come up against it. So they got to balance it out and it's no, the Islanders win, win, win with defense. Well, now they got to balance it out with more offense. It's as simple as that. So, yeah, do I think they've gone as far? I, like, you know, it's not with the style, but they got to find a better balance. They don't have a balance with the offensive style. And you know what? It's taxing. You're in the games. It's hard. You know what you're going. And you don't get rewarded at the end of the night. You're not getting rewarded at the end of the night. We signed Brett Hall in 1998. Bob Ganey put it best. He goes... We can work as hard as we want. We can grind it out. We can be in tight games. We can not give up a lot. But all those guys that are grinding it out for you, their rewards come from the wins at the end of the night. Brett Hall will give us more wins, which will create more happiness for those players. (laughs) That's a beautiful
0: point by you. Uh, I'll save you a final thought if you've got one even better than that, which is hard, but it's good. (laughs) This is what I would then say. And we know the corporate, quiet Toronto crowd, if the real fans could get in or afford to go in, it might be different. When the Islanders come to Toronto, whatever that is in the schedule, it's incumbent on those who call themselves hockey fans in the center of the hockey universe. The second the game gets going, to start a chant. I guess you need him. Done. Done. <laughs> I guess you need him. Done that because you know what at that point he might be named a team Canada look at the season he's having so the Islanders did do a lot of great things and the and the people were kicking the Leafs when they were down but it is interesting in that regard that now with Tavares doing this Leafs playing well the Islanders didn't win anything still and neither did the Leafs but the clock turns and the wheel turns Craig Um, that's something to consider they probably won't do it because they'll be eating sushi Uh, the fans might be doing it at home but it's funny because 91 still would help like the other 91 right the Goring had to wear 91 because trache is it all connects together that 91 would help um but they still did pretty good without him but that elite talent does make the difference as you watch and scout craig elite talent yep are we done
1: (laughs) i had nothing better than the holy line you told (laughs) me i had you you knew i had nothing better why was i even gonna try
0: (laughs) craig episode 18 lots of fun Uh, Download us, follow us. If you've uh, heard us, tell your friends, ladies and gentlemen. Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast, episode 18 in the books. Until next time, be well.